This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. You ever have weird moments? You just just look at stuff and you just don't know why the thoughts come. So I'm just standing right there, you guys. And I feel like I'm at home right now after the first service, so I'm just totally relaxed right now. I'm just standing right there and I'm looking over there at the wall and saying, did they put a V up there for Vortex? (laughs) Did y'all do that? You know. (laughs) I mean, did you guys ever look at that before? That looks like a V sitting right there. Like this was God's divine place for this church. Come on, come on. It it don't get no better than... (laughs) Now, I'm, I'm actually joking, but I'm serious at the same time. Uh, but it's like God providentially set this up for Vortex Church <laughs> to be in this space. Again, thank you guys for having me on this morning. We had an absolutely amazing time in the first service. Again, um, thank God for your um, um, pastors on today. Just really getting a chance to speak with with Amanda on today just really just felt so good worshiping with you on today. I truly felt like I was at home with my wife. She is um if y'all think I'm a worshiper, no, she's a worshiper. And so just really just enjoying my time with you guys here. Just being at the door, just greeting the people as he was going out. Some of absolutely amazing people here at this church. And I see I literally felt like I was at home because rarely, and I travel a lot speaking, most churches no longer stand at the door. The pastors don't stand there and shake hands anymore. So just to see you guys doing that, and we do it as well, like, man, thank you for coming today. So it felt so good. So... Um, <laughs> so I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be a part of this series, A Heart for the Church. I have a heart for the church. I have a heart for the body of Christ. If you would have asked me when I was a kid up until the age of 21 years old, if you would have ever asked me, would I be speaking before a group of people, the answer would be quickly no. And the reason is because I stuttered all the way up until I was age 21. And I, it wasn't a, a, a mild stutter. It was a severe stutter to the degree the conversation would go something like, David said, we're going to the store. I was that severe. I was so severe that the school I was in for for elementary school was a school for handicapped people. Most of the friends and the people that went to the school were right riding or actually in wheelchairs. They were on crutches and things of that nature for some major things that happened to them. I still to this day don't recall how I ended up at that school. Um, I am going to do some research on that now because it's really been on my heart to figure out why was I placed in that school. I'm assuming that it came from the idea that I was a stutterer and it came off in such a, 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 a heavy way that they put me in a school that was typically reserved for handicapped students. I said all that to say uh, that I don't come from this package background, this package life. I did have a hard life. I was literally raised in the house, watches here, um, stayed with my mom for a while, drugs, abuse, poverty, all that stuff there. I even recall one time moving in with my grandmother, and at this house was a four-bedroom house, and about 15 or 16 of us living in the same house. So you do the numbers on what we slept at. It was not a mansion. Uh, but again, drugs, abuse, poverty, and all of that dysfunction that I was in, and then you add to that, I couldn't speak. 
speak, and, but I believe, I'm confident now that I'm older, I know that even it, God reserved me and covered me in my inability to speak. I truly believe that if I wasn't a stutterer, some of the things that has happened to my brothers and sisters and the paths they took in life early on, I would have went down um, some of those same paths as well. And some of those paths were not the glorious paths to take in life. And I look at that now being an older man, an older person, a married father, um, and all that good stuff to say, man, God has an amazing way to cover and to protect people if you want to be covered and if you want to be protected. Now, think about when I finally got saved, gave my heart to Christ back in February of 1997. Fast forward ahead now to 2000 um, and 2021. It really feels like 2029. Come on, somebody. It's like time is just going and creeping <laughs> and, and moving on. I feel like we're already in next week. These days are literally going that fast. Uh, but I just think about purpose and destiny and why did I show up and why did I say yes to life? And I think about the prophet Jeremiah when the scripture says, Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. And when I look at that scripture, I think about my life. I was not an accident. I was not a mistake. And all of my, my idiosyncrasies, all my mistakes and all my shortcomings, God said, Corey, before, uh, he said, before I knew, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you to do something specific in the earth. And I think about the body of Christ. I think about the church. I think about my role as it relates to the body of Christ in the church. And that is the pastor, that is the teach, and that is the coach. And I truly have a heart for the church. The past year and a half for many of us, and particularly based on what city and state you guys are from. Of course, all of you guys are here, but I've traveled from many cities and states over the past eight to nine months and just seeing the calamity that has hit so many people's lives, not just because of COVID, but just because of their own personal storms and tragedies that are going on in their life. But I want to tell you today, there is hope for the house. Come on, somebody. There is hope for the house. There is hope for the church. I still believe that the church is still the hope for the world, not the government, not the left, not the right not black, not white. I believe that the hope for the world is found in Jesus Christ through his local church. And I believe Vortex Church can be that church in this hour, in this moment that can make a difference to so many hurting and broken people in our community. I'm telling you, the suicide rate is up at an extremely alarming rate. Even going into the military, I think this is like 50%. It's 50% higher than it was a couple of years ago. And church, I'm telling you, there's work for us to do. And we're going to only be able to do that if we have a heart for the house, a heart for the local house that God has placed us in. Look what it says here in George chapter 2, beginning in verse number 12. Just one verse, actually. It says, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Literally today, our church in Savannah, Hope City, we just started a 21 days of prayer. Um, you know, I was initially a few weeks ago, I was excited to get people back to church, back to the building. But you know what, guys, if I can be honest and candid with you, when people begin to come back to the church, I didn't like some of those people. Some of these, these Christians I knew last year, they're not the same. COVID did a number on them. The, the separation did a, did a number on them. The racial divide in our community, it did. some of these people was mean. They were just nasty. I'm like, you a Christian? You a believer? You, you know Jesus? And so I'm not so much in a rush now to get people back to church, but I am in a rush to get people back to Jesus. Um, a lot of people have left their guards down in this season. They don't 
go to Jesus or go to prayer or go to their personal worship the way that we should because you don't need a building to do all of that. You need a personal relationship with God to do that. When I think about what it says here, he says, return to me with all of your heart with fasting and weeping. Joel 2.25 says, the Lord says, I will give you back what you lost. And I don't know about you. I believe I am in a season. I believe that Vortex is in a season that whatever we lost in one season, God's is about to give it back to us in this season. Come on, did anybody lose anything in any previous seasons that you want God to restore it back unto you? Maybe a relationship, maybe some finances, maybe some people you need to lose. Come on, somebody. It's some people that I lost. I'm like, don't come back. Don't come back. Stay where you at. There's some things that we lost in the former season that we want to stay right where they are. But I believe that everything that you lost that was good, that was right, and that was from God, he's going to restore it back unto you. Matthew 16, 18 says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to overcome it. Now, that's not talking about the building. He's talking about the ecclesia, the called out, the body of Christ. And so we noticed over the past year, or you can go through history and see how the church has been under so many difficulties and pressures, how even buildings have been lost. And so we can't quote that scripture and say, well, God said the gates of hell would not prevail against church. He's talking about the believers, the ecclesia, the body of Christ. And I'm telling you, we may have lost a lot in one season, but the church, the body of Christ, I believe that we are stronger more than ever before. I believe that we have the ability to do more in this season than we did in previous seasons. Why? Because it's something about um, pressure. It's something about tragedy. I don't know about you. I work good under pressure. I know some of you are not gifted at that and don't do it, but me, I am gifted for working under pressure. It seems like my ingenuity kicks in, that I begin to see in dimensions and realms that I would not see in if there was not a level of pressure. I love to cook. And you know what? If you don't turn the stove on, the, phone, the, the food ain't going to cook. I don't care if you put the pot of greens or the chicken, whatever it is, on the stove. If you don't turn up the heat, <laughs> if you don't turn up the fire, you're just going to have some raw chicken, some raw collard greens. Come on, somebody. Some unbaked cornbread. Come on. <laughs> you got to turn up the heat. You have to turn up the pressure. Pressure has the ability to bring forth something good out of us if we can keep our focus on the main thing, if we can stay positive, if we can look for the good that God is trying to bring. I see a church where the people have found a relationship with God instead of religion and where the living for God is no longer a duty, but it's a delight. I, I go to church not because I have to. I go because I want to. I serve on serve days not because I have to, but because I get to. Anybody come from those generations where you was drugged to church, where you only went to church because they made you come to church? I believe many, <laughs> many churches like Vortex, I would love to come here. My kids would love to come here. We strategically made sure that we, we created a church in Savannah where the children would want to come to church as well. It's a scripture that says, I was glad when they said unto me, come, let us go to the house of the Lord. Many of you came here mad this morning. Because your husband made you come, your wife made you come, your mama made you come. But we can get to a point where we find ourselves saying, I was glad 
when they said unto me, come, let us go into the house of the Lord. When you start getting breakthroughs and healings and you begin to get answered prayers and you begin to see God move in your life, you, you can only be glad when they say, come, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's something powerful happens when believers come together. Something supernatural happens when we come into a place that we have sanctioned as a place where we meet God together. I want to give you a few things here in just a moment as it relates to, Corey, how do I develop a passion for the church? How do I develop a heart for the church? Do you know you can be a member of the church and not have a heart for the church? You can faithfully go every single week but not really have a genuine heart for the church. You know a, a, a mate, a husband can go home or a wife, but a, a, a husband can go home every day but not have a heart for the church. I, I hear people saying now, well, I, I, I don't have to go to church to be saved. I don't, I, I don't have to go to church you know, to love Jesus. And that's true. You don't have to go to church to be saved. But you don't have to go home to be married. But you better go home. Why? Because over time, by not going home, you're going to see the impact of being an absentee husband or wife from your house. No, no, we don't have to go to the building to be saved, but something happens when we come together. No, I don't have to go home to be a husband, but something happens when a father shows up. Something happens when a mother shows up home. There is a game changer moment when husbands and wives show, not just physically showing up in their bodies, but they show up mentally. Something powerfully happens when a husband husband shows up at home with his wife, not just there watching the football game or the basketball game, but he shows up in the areas that means the most to her. Something powerful happens when we show up, and we have to have passion about that. Romans 12, 11 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. When, you, when I look at my life and all the stuff I've been through, I can't help but give God praise. If some of you literally lived in the first 18 years of my life and you look at I, some of the stuff you can't even handle if I tell you the intricate details of moments in my life. And some sometimes when my hand goes up and sometimes when you see me praising God at the art conferences, it's not because of what's happening there. I'm having a flashback. I'm, I'm thinking about something that God brought me out of. David said, when I think of his goodness and all he's done for me, my soul begins to cry out, hallelujah, thank you, God, for saving me. And I hear people saying, well, I don't, I, I, I don't praise God like that because that's just not my personality. Or I don't know if there's a cultural difference here. Or they say stuff like, um, I didn't catch the Holy Ghost. Y'all ever heard that before? <laughs> Folks say, I, 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 well, I can't, well, I didn't catch the Holy Ghost today. Well, first of all, you can't catch the Holy Ghost. It's like, come here, come here, come here, come here, gotcha. come here, come here, come here. Oh, man, you know. Or they'll say, man, sh she caught the Holy Ghost this Sunday. Or, man, he caught the Holy Ghost. I, 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 what do you mean? He tackled the Holy Spirit down and he caught him and he got him. No. <laughs> I know what they're trying to say, but number one, you, you can't catch the Holy Spirit. Now, you can receive <laughs> the Holy Spirit, but you can't tackle him down and, and catch him in such a way where you do. And, but, 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 but when I think, when the Bible says, David said, when I think of his goodness and all he's done for me, my soul, which the soul represents the seat of my emotions, how I think and how I feel. He said, when I think of his goodness, 
And I think back over my life and all the stuff I did and all the stuff he brought me out and all the stuff he covered me from. He said, my soul begins just to begin to give God praise. And some of us, what we need is a flashback. We need a flashback of some of the stuff that God brought us out of and some of the seasons that God brought us through. See, everybody don't see the seasons that your marriages went through, that, that your health went through, and you know it was nobody but God that brought you out of that. You know it was nobody but God that got your husband, your son, your daughter delivered. And David said, when I think of his goodness and all he's done for me, my soul begins to cry out unto God and give him praise. He he had a passion. He had a zeal for serving God. Why? Because he was able to think about what God brought him out. By show of hands, has God ever done anything for anybody in this place? Amen. He's, he's done something amazing for each and every one of us. And I believe that eyes haven't seen, ears have not heard the things that God still has in store for us. But we believe it how? By faith. And I believe the best is yet to come. Here's four things I want to give you here as it relates to passion. Corey, how do I get passion for my church? How do I get passion for my community? How do I get passion for my home? Even though I'm specifically saying for the church, all of these can work for any areas of your life. Look what John says here in John 2, 14. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money, Jesus that is. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of, you talking about passion? You, 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 Jesus walks up in the room in the world they doing up and he pull out a and start making a rope and starts get up get, get up get out get out of here some people have thought well he's angry man he know he was passionate he was passionate about keeping God's house in order. He was passionate about the things of God. He wanted to make sure that they was not turning God's house into something that it was not. It said Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money, changed coins over the floor, and turned over their table. Jesus was teed off. He was mad at what he saw. We got to get to a point that we're mad about the things that we're seeing that's happening in the house of God. How the people are walking away from the faith, turning away from him. That uh, there are some churches who don't pray the way that we need to pray. We don't worship God the way that we need to worship God. We don't serve God the way. We're turning it into a country club. We're turning it into another club like everybody else. Just a place that I can go where everyone knows my name. I feel important. I feel valued. But we are abandoning the things and the reasons why the church church is the church. The church is supposed to be the light of the world, a city that's sitting on a hill that cannot be hid. Do you not know churches are being hid in this season? We don't realize it. There's a slow decline of the church being able to be the church. We see little, uh, little, little glimmers here and there, but the church vortex is supposed to be the city that is sitting on a hill. I can't still say the city name yet. I don't read the name of the city. I said, is it Armoria? Is it Armoria? I, 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 I spelled it backwards and frontwards, and I just cannot get it together. <laughs> but Vortex is supposed to be, be the city of A that sits on a hill that can not 
be here. I believe in this season, God does not want this church to be here. I, I, I believe, and, and I'm saying that even the more so I prepare for this message, not being in this house, but I'm telling you, being in the lobby today, meeting some of the people that I met, shaking some of the hands, seeing the genuineness in the hearts and the mouths of the people that I spoke to, the, the nicks that I, that I hooked. There are, some, there are some amazing people in this church. And I thought about, man, what if those that aren't a part of this church, a part of the house, that they can experience this type of love? Man, I'm telling you, we, we, this place, and it probably is, but this church will even the more become that city that is sitting on a hill that's making the difference in this community. Do you have a heart for your church? Let me ask again. Do you got a heart for your church? Somebody like, I'm not for sure yet. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm, 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 I've been here about five years. I'm not for sure yet. <laughs> not five days. I've been here five years. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> well, hopefully by the end of this message here, you'll say, I got a heart for my church. Jesus had passion for his church. We need passion for his church. To get these things out of here, stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remember this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. Can you say that? Passion for God's house. I know y'all know the talk back to me, church. I'm, I, I, I noticed that real fast. You know, our church is a talk back to me church. So not an AME church, a talk back to me church. So I picked that up in the first service that this is not a talk. This is says you're called to preach. It is not my job to preach. You're the preacher. I'm coming to listen so I can grow in my faith. We're going to be a talk back church this morning, okay? <laughs> now I forgot what I asked you to say. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to ask you to say back unto me. And so, but, but, but we didn't have a passion for God. So say, God's, God's passion will consume me. Say it again, God's passion will consume me. I'm telling you, I, I, I believe God's passion. I think about the, the young man that was in the first service who sat there that was bold enough to raise his hand and say he wanted Christ. I'm believing that that young man at his young age that he will have a presence and a power of God on his life that when he goes to his schoolhouse that that I'm assuming he was was in probably in elementary school maybe middle but when he goes to school that he will become the light that that school needs with the craziness that's going on in our schools right now and we don't send kids in, in, into these schools that know Christ we're in trouble. I'm, I'm going to say it again. If we do not send kids into these schools that know Christ and that know what truth is, we are in trouble, not as just a community, but we're in trouble as a nation. Some of this foolishness that these kids are being taught in this, if we are not kept, if we don't raise our children with a passion for God and the things of God. We have a world that want to give them another angle, a culture that want to give them another view, and we must have a passion for God in our houses, in our homes, and say we will not settle for it. Can somebody say amen to me on that one there? Look what it says. So number one, how do I get passion? Number one, passion for prayer. How, what areas do I need passion? Passion for prayer. Four areas of passion. Passion for prayer. Look what Matthew 21, 13 says. It is written, 
He said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. In other words, you're turning my house into something it was never meant to be. John 5, 16 says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So, woman, man, when you pray for that situation, that circumstances, the Bible tells us that the effectual, fervent prayer, it avails much. That means it is hot and passionate. It is on fire, not this lukewarm um, um, prayer where you don't have confidence in what you're saying. Uh, um, married people, you know how it was when you first met that guy or that girl, and you're like, man, oh. your eyes batting like this here. When he finally approached you and y'all began to talk and conversate, he asked you out, you on the phone late at night. If you was like me, me and my wife, we had never met you guys. Somebody introduced us and somebody begged her, you want to meet this guy? You want to meet with him? He nice. He, he loves God. This is over 19 years ago now. He loves God. Um, he's a man of faith, blah, blah, blah. And my wife like, no, 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 I don't, I, I, I don't have time for that. It's just me and God. I'm celibate in my life. And after about two or three weeks, these two girls I know that went to my church, one of them just gave up. She said, oh, okay, she ain't going to do it. But one of them was persistent. She said, hey, listen, it's that guy that go to my church. And I, I, if you talk to him, I believe that God. And she said, okay, here's my phone number. Give him my phone number and tell him, don't be calling me all times. <laughs> so when I got the number from this girl in my church, she said, hey, Corey, this girl works with me. I think y'all be great together. Call her one time and don't call her back. She said, just, just call one time and just drop the mic in a sense. Just drop the mic, talk to her one time real good, and just, just leave it alone. Do you? <laughs> I dropped the mic all right. I use my very white voice. Hey, girl, what's your name? My name Corey. I want to go out with you. What color you like? What you like to eat? What's your favorite restaurant? And we did this, y'all, every night for maybe about three weeks. I had no clue what she looked like. She could have looked like Foo-Foo the Clown as far as I know. I had no clue how she looked. Now, she knew how I looked because a friend showed her a picture of me. So these whole few weeks, I'm falling passionately in love with this girl on the phone who I never laid eyes on, but I liked everything that she was saying. We connected. We would stay up on the phone so late, about 2 o'clock in the morning, that we'd doze off on the phone because nobody wanted to hang up. I'm talking about passion, y'all. Nobody wanted to hang up. So finally, this part wasn't a part of my story right now, but I think I got to say this part here. So we, we finally met a few weeks later. We had set up to meet at a church, and her pastor was preaching at this particular church, and I came with a big service, maybe about 500 people there, and I got there. I was like on the front row. I was up front, and I'm up there just, you know, the service going on, and, I'm like, and, and folk coming in, and people coming in. I'm like, whoo, whoo, who is she, who is she, whoo. Oh, please don't be her. Please don't be her. Ooh. Oh, you can be her. Oh, come on. Ooh, you know. Oh, my God. Please don't. You don't look. And, y'all, God is my secret judge. This, that, that final turnaround, I look back, and I wish I had a picture of my wife. I saw what appeared to me to be an angel putting down her bags, and we connected eyes at the same time, and she waved at me. I nodded my head at her. I turned back around and said, this is the day. This is the day. Y'all, I knew at that moment there that we were going to be 
knitted together as husband and wife. And that wasn't like a May, and we wasn't married that same year in August. That's 19 years ago. Come on, somebody. 19 years ago. Now, I'm not telling y'all young people to go do that. Now, you need to, this, you, you better say, now, Pastor Corey said he fell in love, mama, in three months. <laughs> don't do that. Don't, don't do it. Because <laughs> there's other parts of that story where we wanted to leave. <laughs> and we wanted to quit. The passion was gone. And real life kicked in. And understanding the different dynamics of her and me began to operate. And I remember times that I had my bags at the door, and she had her bags at the door, and we were waiting for somebody to say something stupid, waiting for somebody to mess up. I'm out. Y'all know how the folk, folk get married today. They're divorced a year later now. These new people getting married don't know how to do marriage right. Get mad about every single thing. We have to have a passion for the things of God, and the passion of many is waxing cold. The love of many is waxing cold. We're walking away from things that matter to most. We cannot walk away from prayer, and the prayer has to be fervent. He says the effectual, fervent prayer when you connect with God with passion, and you're committed, and you believe in what you're praying. You trust him to know that he's not a man that he should not lie. You trust his word. You believe his word with every fiber in you. It says the effectual, fervent prayer prayer, it avails much. It accomplishes much. Number two, not only do we need passion for prayer, we need passion for praise and worship. David said, when I think of his goodness and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, Hallelujah. We have to get to a point that we have passion for praise and worship, that we don't just show up when the word starts, but we show up, we get there early because I want to be engaged in the praise and worship. Do you know that you can come to the building and not get in his presence? I see it Sunday after Sunday in Savannah. People come to the building but they don't get in his presence. It, 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 the scripture is clear. Um, he inhabits the praises of his people. We oftentimes talk about when praises go up, blessings come down. That's not talking about stuff. What literally comes down, he's talking about his presence. When praises go up, blessings come down. We're talking about the presence of God comes down. And he says he inhabits the praises of his people. In other words, wherever God sees a praise, that becomes the place he inhabits. So do you know that when you're standing there, you're not just lifting up your hand in, hands in this place. You have now left this place and you're in the presence of God. Why? Because he promises when praises go up, blessings come down, and that he inhabits, he will inhabitate that space, that place where he sees genuine praise. Something powerful about having passion for praise and worship. As the young lady was singing, worship today, I almost had to keep myself together and say, Corey, when you're in Rome, do what the Romans do. Do you in Rome right now, you know, because I got a little cooth about myself. I know how to I'll be dignified when I need to. <laughs> you know, but just, just, just as she was ministering, as they was ministering, turning graves into gardens. When I think about the graves that were in my life, that he turned into a garden, and you think about that, it's hard for me to, like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Ooh. Oh, thank you, God, you know, because there were some things in my life that God has done for me, and it's hard for me to be quiet. It's hard for me to be silent. Am I saying that we all praise the Lord? Absolutely not. I, 
I was raised a part of my life when I moved to Miami in the Methodist church, and we didn't move. We did not move. But I tell you this, those people genuinely love God. I'll say this here. I've seen people shout and scream as believers in the church and some of the most mean and nastiest people there are. Amen, brother. Thank you for that amen. Because we have, we think being Pentecostal and title means that you are the one that got the gifts of the Spirit. No, I've seen some mean Pentecostals. Spirit-filled, so-called tongue-talking people. I'm like, what tongue are you talking in? Because I ain't no way you know Jesus. You know a spirit, but not the spirit. (laughs) You have a spirit, but not the Holy Spirit. We need a passion for praise and worship where the presence of God invades our space. Psalm 103, Psalm 103 says this here, praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being, praise his holy name. I don't know where I'm at with my time, and it's getting kind of dangerous up here. Uh, so uh, when y'all ready for me to stop, just start a keyboard or something. <laughs> and that'll be my cue. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so when I'm home in Savannah, the cue is he's not going to look at the clock, and it's not that he's not trying to look at the clock. He just forget. When I hear those keys, y'all, I could be in the midst of a, of, of a powerful story. I said, when I'm done, I said, I'm not done, but I'm out of time. God bless you, God. Let's pray. <laughs> so feel free to hit those keys anytime. I'm just because I'm, I'm a little confused. I'm like, man, did I speak 48 minutes right now? Is that what? There's no way. Did I speak 48 minutes? Oh, okay. Whew. I'm like, I am never coming back here again because he done came up here and bust up his hoot. Okay. So <laughs> passion for praise and worship. Then number three, passion for purity. Passion for, I have a 17-year-old daughter who's going away to college next year, and I don't want her to lose her innocence in this crazy world that we are in. She thinks her daddy is the best thing there is. And that's true, y'all. That is so true. But part of me believes that the world's going to tell her that your daddy is not little Ray Ray, little Pookie over there. He can give you something better than your daddy can. <laughs> or little Bob, I, I mean, whatever you want to call him. Leroy, whoever. <laughs> but there's so much stuff out here, you guys, that will cause us to lose our purity for the things of God. You know, loving God is easy. Serving God is easy. But our culture and our all these culture wars that's going on that's telling us that God just loves everything. He loves everybody. And that's the, yes, he loves everybody, but he don't love everything. And there has to be a level of purity in the hearts and the minds of believers that we preserve the principles and the standards of God in the earth. Look what Numbers 12 and 5, 11 says. Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest has turned my anger away from the Israelites. Talking about culture stuff. He says, since he was as zealous for my honor among them as I am. Don't lose your passion 
for the purity of God, for the things of God, for the house of God, for God's desire for us to connect with him through prayer and communion, to connect. See, it's all, prayer is all about us, what? Connecting with God. Uh, the worship and praise is about connecting with God. Notice this here, the, the, the hope for the house and the heart for the house is really not about trying to get you to be also in love with Vortex, even though it is a part of it, but it's all about pushing us closer to God, closer to Jesus. Why? So that not only we can know God and find freedom and discover our purpose and make a difference, but we can help other people know God, find freedom and discover their purpose so that they too can make a difference. Let's not lose our purity for the things of God. Let's stay passionate. Let's stay on fire. Let's restore the passion that we once had, the purity that we once had before we found ourselves in isolation. I told somebody today that many people who are not coming to church right now is not because of health reasons. It's because of habit reasons. People have created bad habits now, and they need to get back into the house of God. If you got health issues, I get it. I respect that. Do what you need to do, but it only takes about 21 to 40 days to create a habit. To be out of church for so many months, some of these people have created bad habits as believers, and those bad habits has caused many to lose their purity for God. Number four, and we're done, passion for people. You got to have passion for people. Our values at Hope City Church, we just changed one, but it's love God, love people, Pursue excellence and choose joy. I just recently changed to love people to honor people. You know, we're in a moment in a season where the honor is so low in our nation, in our country, in our homes, in our, our schools. Our, people just don't know how to honor anymore. One of our, our, our mottos at Hope City is we honor up, we honor down, and we honor all around. We don't just honor the people on the stage, but we honor that greeter who's out in the parking lot or that usher out in the parking lot or that hostess, I'm sorry, out in the parking lot. We honor the greeters and the hostess and those who are serving in the kids' area. We honor up, we honor down, and we honor all around. We say we love people, but how do we really know that we love people? We know that we love people by our actions and not by a quote on the wall. We, we, we got to get passion for people. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What some amazing passion. God had a passion for people after Adam and Eve messed up in the garden. God so much so wanted to restore man back unto himself that he created a master plan to restore man back unto himself by sending himself through 42 generations as a man to become the sacrificial lamb to restore man back unto himself. And the scripture says in John 3, 16 that God so loved the world. Not the cosmos, he, the I own it, the, the, the people that's in the earth, he loved it so much so that he sent, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is passion. What people, what places, what things that God is calling you and I to be passionate about in this season. Acts 20 and 24 says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. 
Remember, a life not lived for others is not a life at all. If you're living a life to trying to heap stuff up to you and to make you great and your name great, it's, it's a waste of time. And it's okay to want to make your name great because the Bible told us that God is not coming to give us a great title. He's coming to make our names. He said, I'll make your name great. And one way to make your name great is by serving people. It's by serving and loving on people for having love for people that looks like you, that doesn't look like you, that doesn't sound like you, who doesn't have the level of, uh, of wisdom and knowledge as you. Remember, a life not lived for others is not a life at all. My life is no longer my life. My life belongs to him, and whatever he tells me to say is what I'm going to say. Where he says go is where I'm going to go. That should be your testimony and your spirit as well. Last scripture, and we're done for today. Revelations 2, 4 says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. He said, you have forsaken the love you had at first. He's talking about this church in this moment, but we can bring it to us today. He said, you have forsaken the love that you had at first, one scripture tells us that in the last days, the love of many is going to wax cold, going to grow cold. In other words, that which was hot is going to become cold. I believe that we're in that type of day, in that type of moment right now where we, in many ways, have forsaken the love we had at first. He says, consider how far you have fallen. Look, look how far you have come away from. You used to pray and fast and worship me on a regular basis, but now I have given you some stuff. I've given you a home and a, a car. You met that man you prayed for, that woman you prayed for. They came, and now you have forsaken me for my stuff. There's not a season to be after God's hand. It's a season to be after God's heart. And I'm telling you, if we, as we go after God's heart, he'll give us his hand. The scripture is clear in Matthew 16, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, his way of doing things, and all these things that we so desire. I believe some of the things you've been praying for and believing for are much more closer to being manifested. But God says, first things first. Put me first, and I will bring those things into your life much faster than you think you can. He's says here, if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from this place. Talking about its presence from that church. But even today, whether it's even not just your salvation, but God said, repent, have a change of mind. Begin to think, uh, think differently about that situation. He said, if you don't start thinking different about that situation, you will not be able to manifest the things you desire to manifest. If you don't change the way you think about business, if you don't change the way that you think about your finances, if you don't change the way you think about your health, the doctor told you, hey, stop eating all that salt. But you say everybody need a little bit of salt every now and then. Well, everybody need a little heart attack every now and then too then. He just told you how to deal with your problem. Take salt out of your diet. What we do, we find another way to still try to get what we want, and we become religious and spooky about it. And the daughter just said, hey, you, it's just take sugar out of your diet. Everybody need a little sugar. Okay, okay. Okay. Keep on doing it. He says, repent. Have a change of mind about the way that you see these things. I thought eating vegan food was one of the most demonic things that ever hit the earth. Now it's making more sense to me. 
<laughs> you know, I want to live longer. I, I, I want to live to be 90, 120, as long as I can. All this processed food is not, it's, it's not the same food. I'm finding out that they're putting plastic in some of this stuff. And we eating this stuff and want to know why belly fat won't go away. Belly fat ain't going nowhere. That's your brother and your sister for the rest of your life. <laughs> you stuck, you're stuck together. <laughs> he said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. What we don't know sometimes can hurt us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. For your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for speaking to our minds. I pray that we have a heart for the house for this day forward. Give us hope. Hope in the future. Hope in the present. I thank you, Father, that every house that's in this space today, that God, they will have a, a heart for your house. And as they have a heart for the things that pleases you, you will bless their house. May prayer come back into their homes. May worship come back into their homes. May, may, may plant time of devotion come back into their homes. May God build a strong fortress in each and every house represented in this place. And together they, we, will build a house here, a church in this community that the world can look towards and they can see our light shining so bright we can be the hope for this community. Honor you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.